As we celebrate Canada Day, I'm reminded what a privilege and blessing it is to live in this country. A country where we can openly declare that we are Christians and worship God freely. Canadians have often been known to be polite people. And while I hope that that's true for most of us, I don't want us to only be polite and kind people, but I want us to be good neighbors as well. When I talk about being a good neighbor, I don't only mean the people that live right next to you, being a good neighbor to them, but I'm talking about everyone that we encounter, everyone that we come in contact with, that we can be good neighbors to them. And so my question to you today is, are you a good neighbor? In Luke chapter 10, Jesus tells us a parable to illustrate the point about being a good neighbor. If you have your Bibles, would you turn to Luke chapter 10, starting from verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. When they stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. When he took the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you have. Which of these three do you think was a good neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, indeed, we thank you for this passage of scripture, and we thank you for the truth that is contained in it. And Lord, we pray that you would open up our hearts and our minds today to hear from you and to allow your Holy Spirit to guide us and to lead us. Lord, we desire to be good neighbors, and we pray that you would help us indeed to do that. And so may you help us, and may you help us to be obedient to respond. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The road from, Jer from Jerusalem to Jericho was a distance of 17 miles. It was notoriously a dangerous road, a road that ran through narrow, rocky desert country, which provided places for robbers to hide and to attack those who were defenseless travelers. When Jesus told this story, he was telling about the kind of thing that was constantly happening to people on the road to, from Jericho 
to Jerusalem or from Jerusalem to Jericho. And so it was a common problem. It was something that people could relate to and knew was happening. People seldom traveled that road alone. They didn't go alone, especially if they were carrying goods or valuable things. They were seeking safety in numbers, and so they would often travel in convoys or caravans to avoid any sort of robbery or attacks because there were more of them to fight off in case someone did try to attack them. Unfortunately, the man in the story that we read about was on his own, and because of that, he was attacked. He was robbed, he was beaten, and then left half dead. In verse 31, we're told a priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. The priest was a religious leader. And it seems like in this story that the priest had no intention of helping the man. He had no intention of stopping to help him. When he saw the man, there was no doubt that he was remembering what the law said in Numbers chapter 19, verse 11, which says, All those who touch a dead human body will be ceremonially unclean for seven days. He could not be sure if the man was dead or not. But in order for him to avoid being ceremonially unclean, he avoided even coming close and potentially contaminating himself, which would keep him from performing his priestly duties in the temple. So he decided that he would not go close and touch him and help him. He set the ceremonial ritual above helping someone in need. Then we see in verse 32, it says, So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. The Levites were the tribe that the priests came out of. A regular Levite was not a religious leader, but instead was like a layperson would be today. The bandits were in the habit in those days of using decoys. And so what that would mean would be that one would act and pretend to be a wounded person. And when someone decided to stop to help that wounded person, others would rush up and overpower him and try to take whatever it would be that he would have. And so people knew that decoys were often used. And so it could be that the Levite thought maybe this was a decoy and maybe there were other bandits around waiting for him to stop and then try to rob him and do the same to him. And so he kept going. He passed by on the other side. The Levite was more concerned about his safety than he was about the person that was potentially injured and he didn't want to risk helping him at his own safety. Now, I understand that there are times where we need to obviously be concerned about our safety and some situations where we may be put in where it may be unsafe to help someone who is in need. And so we don't want to put ourselves in that situation, but there's always something that we can do, such as call for help, call the police, ask someone to go back with us, whatever the situation may be. But the Levite, too, 
decided to just keep walking. Finally, we see someone comes along the road to help this injured man. In verse 33, it says, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, took pity on him. You see, a good neighbor is someone who sees others as valuable. This Samaritan saw the man lying on the side of the road. It says that he took pity on him, meaning he had compassion. He had compassion upon him because he saw him as a valuable human being. How could someone do this to another person? And so he thought to himself, I need to stop and help. He saw this man as valuable. He saw this man as worthy to stop for, as someone who is important. Not only was it commendable that the Samaritan stopped and had compassion and saw value in helping this man, but it is important to understand why this is so significant that a Samaritan would stop for this Jewish man. You see, Jews and Samaritans had no dealings with each other. Jews actually viewed Samaritans as half-breeds, both physically and spiritually. And so there was often thought that they hated each other and had no sort of connection or any contact. That's why in John chapter 4, verse 9, the Samaritan woman says to Jesus when he asks her for a drink, she says, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. It was just known that Jews and Samaritans don't get along, don't associate, would have nothing to do with each other, and therefore would not help each other. But yet, the Samaritan man sees this Jewish man on the side of the road in need and does not see him as a Jewish person. He doesn't see him for his race. He doesn't see him for his culture. He doesn't see him for his skin color, but he sees him as a valuable person who is in need and he stops and he helps him. You see, helping other people is not always easy to do especially when they are strangers to us. And there's no way of knowing if this Jewish man, this injured man would have done the same for the Samaritan. But yet it didn't matter because the Samaritan was willing to help. Samaritans and Jews were known enemies. So it would have made more sense for the Samaritan to actually be the one to walk past him instead of being the one to stop and help him. Yet that is exactly what he chose to do, stop and help him. God is a compassionate God, and he calls us to show compassion to other people as well. Show compassion to people who are in need, regardless of age, race, gender, status. He expects us to see others as his valuable creation. And that is exactly what the Samaritan did. Galatians chapter 3 verse 28 tells us there is no Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. Our neighbor is not only the person who lives next door to us. It's not only the people who live on the same street as we do, but our neighbor is everyone around us, whether Christian or not. 
whether from the same country or not, whether they speak the same language as you do or not, whether the same skin color or not, your neighbor is everyone. We are all precious and loved by God. No matter what we look like, no matter what we have, no matter what we speak, may we all see others through the eyes of Christ. May we all see others as precious, valuable people. A good neighbor sees others as valuable. So this Samaritan man stops and he helps. And not only did he see the injured man as valuable, have compassion on him, but he did something about his need. In verse 34, it says, He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. You see, a good neighbor does something about the need. A good neighbor sees someone who is in need and does something about that need. Now, that does not mean, and I want to clarify, that we need to go and hand out money to every single person who asks for it or gives away whatever we may have because someone may ask for it. We can't financially do that, nor is that wise for us to do. Uh, but what I mean is when someone is genuinely in need, when they are genuinely in need and we know that they are in need and we are able to help meet that need, whether we have a lot or a little, there's always something that we can do. May we be willing to do it. May we be willing to seek out, if we can't meet that need, someone who can meet that need, someone who can help the situation, someone who can help that person. The point is that we don't just look, see, and you know, feel sorry for them, but we actually do something practical that can help them. The help that we offer a person must be practical. It can't just be feeling sorry for them, but we should be able to offer practical help. There's no doubt the priest and the Levite felt pity for the wounded man, but yet they did nothing about that need. For compassion to be real, it must accompany action. It must accompany deeds. Don't just say that you'll pray for them, but do something about that practical need if you can. This past week, I was so moved by someone who sent me a message. This individual sent me a message telling me that they had seen a social media post of another fellow Christian who belongs to our church, stating that they feel very depressed and low and down. And they had read some of the comments that were listed on the social media post of people saying, you know, I hope you feel better, or, you know, keep your spirits up, or God will see you through, or I'm praying for you. But this person reached out to me and said, Pastor Lisa, we can't just say that we're gonna pray for this person, but we need to do something for them. We need to reach out to them and talk to them. Maybe they're just lonely. Maybe they need someone to just go for lunch with them. Maybe they need someone to just give them a phone call. Maybe they need something. And this person was willing to do that. And I was so moved because I thought, here, this is not just someone who's saying, I'm gonna pray for you, but someone who's saying, I'm gonna do something about that need. Someone who is genuinely in need and they can help. A good neighbor 
does something about that need. A good neighbor doesn't just walk past. A good neighbor sees and is willing to help or willing to ask someone who can help. For example, if someone is in need, maybe practically you can bring them a bag of groceries and drop it off at the doorstep for them if you know that that's what they need. A good neighbor may be someone who says, I'm going to help to pay for your kids to go to that camp or help to pay for them to attend this trip. Maybe a good neighbor is someone who offers to babysit once in a while so that you can be relieved of your duties or give someone a ride to go to an appointment or go to church. Maybe being a good neighbor means taking someone to a doctor's appointment or dropping them off somewhere because they don't have a vehicle. You see, being a good neighbor is not just about saying nice things to someone, but it's putting that into action. It's showing them that not only do you care, but that you're willing to help them. It's seeing someone as valuable and worth your time to help. Helping someone in need goes further than just handing over money. And I know that there's a lot of stigma in terms of handing over money to people and not knowing what they're going to do with it and not knowing, you know, if their need is genuine or not. And so if you know that someone's need is genuine, of course, we want to help them if possible. But I'm a big believer in not just giving someone something, but equipping them, helping them so that they can sustain themselves, so that they can also be independent. There's a saying that says, give a man a fish and he'll eat for a day, but teach a man to fish and he'll eat for the rest of his life. And so may we be good neighbors in a practical sense, but also walk alongside other people and help them in a practical way. This Samaritan man saw a need. He had compassion and saw this injured man as valuable. He did something about his need, but not only did he stop there, but he did more than what was expected of him. In verse 35, it says, The next day he took out two denarii, that is two days' wages, which would keep the man for up to two months in an inn, and gave them to the innkeeper, Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. How many of us would go out of our way, especially for a stranger, for someone that we didn't even know? Not only did this man help this injured man, but he also went above and beyond what was even expected of him. You see, a good neighbor does more than is expected does more than is expected. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 41, it says, If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. According to the law, a soldier could demand that a person standing nearby needed to help carry his gear or his equipment. It was the law that if you were able to do so, then you had to carry it for at least one mile. 
That's why Simon of Cyrene helped Jesus to carry his cross to the place of crucifixion. What Jesus was saying here, and if a soldier demands you to carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles, what Jesus was saying was don't just do the bare minimum. Don't just do the, the least amount that is expected of you, but go the extra mile. Go above and beyond what is expected of you. Go and do more than someone even expected you to do. You see, a lot of people, and maybe you're one of them, try to do the bare minimum to get by. We try to just get by, whether, you know, that's in a situation currently or before. But it's important that we try to go above and beyond what is expected of us. And so I challenge you to do more than is expected of you. Do more at work than is expected of you. Don't just do the bare minimum, but do as much as you can to the best of your ability. At school, don't just do the bare minimum to try to pass the class or the course, but go above and beyond and do the best that you can. In your marriage, don't just do the things that you know that you have to do, but go above and beyond and bless your spouse and help them in any way that you can or your family. In your household responsibilities. If you see something that needs to get done, whether it is your responsibility or not, go the extra mile, do it, get it done. Don't wait on somebody else to do it, but do what you can. In your ministry at church, in your tithing, go above and beyond what is expected, the bare minimum. With your children, with your family, with your friends, go above and beyond what is expected. You see, we can do the bare minimum, but Jesus calls us to do even more than we're asked to do. This Samaritan did more than anyone would have expected him to do. Not only did he stop and help this man to bandage his wounds and to help him, but he took him on his own donkey. He took him on his donkey and, and took him to an inn, paid, and said, if there's any other expenses, then I'm going to pay for that. You see, there are times where we may be inconvenienced. And being a good neighbor can mean being inconvenienced. It can mean time, money, resources, canceling plans, changing things around, helping others, maybe even putting ourselves out for the sake of helping someone else. But Jesus calls us to a different standard of living, being a good neighbor. When we talk about being a good neighbor, I guess you can say it's pretty much the same as saying being a good person. And so it's important for us, yes, to be a good person. But here's something that is important for us to note, that being a good person, while that is good, it is not good enough when we talk about getting into heaven. When we talk about getting into heaven, and if you ask the average person of what how do you go to heaven or how can you be sure you're going to heaven? Most people will say, well, I'm a, I'm a good person, so I should go to heaven. Or that person was a good person, so they deserve to go to heaven. You see, it has nothing to do with being a good person. Verse 25, it says the question was asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And then he answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
with all your soul, with all your so strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You see, these are the things that we need to do in order to inherit eternal life. We need to love God with all that we are, and we need to show that love to other people as well. You cannot love others fully until you love the Lord with all that you are. We cannot say that we love others. We cannot say that we love God without loving others. We cannot love people. Sorry, it says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 20, if someone says, I love God, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love a God whom we cannot see? We cannot love a God that we've never seen physically before and yet hate the people that we spend time with, yet talk about the people that we spend time with, yet backstab the people that we spend time with. We cannot do that if we say that we love God. In order to love others, in order to fully understand, we need to see others through the eyes of Christ. We need to ask God to help us to love them the way that he loves them. Because if we're honest, it's not always easy to love other people, especially people who have hurt us, people who've done wrong to us, people who have done terrible things that we can't even imagine to us or our family members, but yet God calls us to love them. This Samaritan was hated by Jewish people, but yet the same kind of person that hated him was the kind of person that he went above and beyond and out of his way, inconvenienced himself, took out his own money to pay for so that he could get the care that he needed. You see, when it comes to being a good neighbor, religion does not matter when it comes to helping other people. When it comes to helping another human being in need, we are all equal in the sight of God. Red, yellow, black, or white, no matter our skin color, no matter who we are, we are all precious in God's sight. In our world today, there is so much hate. There is so much turmoil. There are so many problems. There, there are so many things that are happening because too many of us are looking at people by their skin color. We're looking at people by their gender or by their age or by their race or by their religion or, or by something else other than looking at them as precious creations of God, as children of God who he created and who he loves. And we need to stop looking just at the physical, but look beyond that. And that's what God calls us to. He calls us to look at people the way that he sees them. A good neighbor sees others as valuable. A good neighbor does something about that need. And a good neighbor does even more than is expected. Jesus tells us to go and do likewise. We know what we need to do, so go. Go and do it. Sometimes it's easier said than done, but that's exactly what he says. That sometimes we can know what we need to do, but we don't do it. But he says, go and do likewise. Go and do what we know needs to be done. When we have experienced the love of God and know there are no limits to his love, it is only then can we love others 
without limits as well. Are you a good neighbor? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, indeed we thank you for this passage of scripture. Thank you for the reminder of truly what a good neighbor is. And we pray that you would help us as the body of Christ, as fellow Christians. We pray that you would help us wherever we find ourselves to be a good neighbor to those around us, to be a good neighbor to those we come in contact with. We pray, God, that you would help us to look past the physical, that you would help us not to see color, race, gender, age, status, religion, but that we would see others truly as precious children that you have created as your sons and daughters that we would see others through your eyes and so god we pray that you would help us that you would change our hearts that you would help us in this world that is so hurting and is so in need of love and peace that you would indeed help us to be that change and to start that change with us in our own lives and so, God, we thank you, and we pray that you would help each one of us to search our hearts and to make the changes that we know we need to make. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.